0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. As we sit here today, it is just after the first of the new year, 2019, and we're going to cover today a series of topics and events that will take you over the next couple months as you're prepping for a meeting with your crop insurance agent or getting ready for planting season when that will start. So we'll jump right in, and the first topic we have on the agenda is to talk about events that should be coming up or are coming up that our listeners should pay attention to. So, Tom, you always bring that farmer perspective to this audience, to this group here. What are some things that you're seeing, guys, should be concerned with, thinking about as we kind of look back to last year as we look forward to this year?
1: Yeah, those all those are good questions, uh, Thad. Uh, being a producer myself, uh, obviously we gotta live that as well. Uh, some of the things that Farmers Producers have been taking care of in December, just to give you guys a little background, they've been doing some tax planning with their local CPA or tax professional um, during the month of December, which will lead in the course for January. They'll be working on their taxes, uh, getting their 1099s sent out, all that other good stuff. So that'll be focus for some. The other ones uh, they're focusing on, uh, there'll be some deferred income checks that people will be uh, hopefully receiving from their elevators or processing plants. We'll be looking to wrap up or take care of some uh, maybe first half rents. Um, So they're going to have some of that activity going on right now. Um, But some of the things that we should be thinking about as producers right now is, is we should also be reviewing our cost of production. I know we can beat that horse all day long, and we talked about that in our last episode. But we should be going through our cost of production. We still have the trade talks taking place, which we all know, or the trade talks, uh, which if we've been watching or following the commodity markets, uh, we've had some ups and downs. But quite honestly, I think even beans are probably at a four-month high right now. We're back up in that 960s, where we were. We might be back down to 950 if I look at November. Corn for December, uh, if I look at December 2019, we're in that 403 range. Uh, So still higher than last year. It's not where we can really make money easily It's not a great place, but it might be a good place to start. So producers are looking at their cost production what they can do today Uh, They're going to be looking at their risk management opportunities that uh, are going to be available to them which quite honestly, we'll talk about that a little bit more Uh, for those that do a lot of marketing, and they're aggressive, and they want to make sure they can eliminate as much risk as possible. Uh, there's a lot of great tools, crop insurance tools out there. Not all government subsidized. A lot of them are private. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later, I'm sure, as well. But what we have going on right now, this to get producers, uh, again, another uh, a glimpse of what they should be thinking about. We've got farmer meetings coming up. And throughout our association, so... I don't know you guys uh, have you looked at your farmer meetings in your area yet
2: yeah Tom uh, so in, in Wisconsin we have a number of producer meetings that are coming up but and but in general there's producer meetings that happen uh, throughout the springtime that cover a lot of different topics um, all of them are usually uh, insurance based they'll cover what's changing in the insurance industry what farmers need to be aware of for changes and then um, you know, also kind of give you a broad level, high level stuff about what's available and how they can help your operation. Uh, specifically in Wisconsin, a lot of the talk will probably be around the Dairy R P program, the Dairy Revenue Protection Program. Uh, that's uh, still a very viable option. It's still new. It's still being talked about a lot. So a lot of the meetings will will touch on Dairy R P and and how that can be part of their operation. Um, but then also that you know, each meeting will have its own different twist on it, some kind of different speaker, main speaker that comes in and and talks about that. So um, yeah, just be aware of what's going on and and make sure you're watching your mailbox for postcards and invites, watch social media for uh, upcoming meetings. And and I know a lot of people get tired of meetings, but there's good information. It's a good opportunity to talk to your your peers in the farming community and just get an idea of what's going on, what's being talked about. So That's kind of the stuff that's going on in Wisconsin, Jason, what's going on in Illinois.
3: Yeah, not a lot different in Illinois. Several different opportunities to move around uh, our territory in Illinois and grab a farmer meeting from your local, your local area. A couple things that we'll be covering and focusing on in Illinois. Um, we'll have some commodity broker speakers uh, in to discuss uh, all things commodities. Um, we'll have some FSA officials in as they are available. Um, we'll talk about private products and what those look like for our various AIPs that we represent. Uh, how you can add some additional coverage bands to your underlying multi peril policy as well as adding some price uh, to the spring projected price and how that looks and might work in your operation. Uh, we'll also touch on farm bill um, information that, uh, that we're starting to get information on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point there, Jason. And for the audience with the farm bill, keep in mind there's a period we have to implement all of the things that were coming out of the farm bill, so that does take time. And it doesn't mean that we'll see uh, all of this information take place um, next month or in the coming months as it can take time for that implementation but jason when you mentioned farm bill made me think and this is probably important for our audience here we're currently as we record this in a government shutdown and in a government shutdown that does could could cause some concern or could cause some hiccups in the day-to-day stuff we do within the crop insurance so so, gang, let's kind of go around the room here and let's talk about what some of those, those areas of concern should be or topics we should be sharing with our group here.
1: Yeah, it's funny you should bring that up, Thad. Uh, I think I spent uh, the last two, three months, as clients would call me, crop insurance questions, marketing questions, whatever, and uh, I kept on reminding everybody, hey, make sure you sign up for that uh, MFP program yep. payment, right, market facilitation program. To sign up, once you signed up, you can bring in your production before the 1st of May, right? And you're, you're golden. Yep, I didn't get mine done. Now, keep in mind, my brother and I were all corn this year, so our payment's going to be minimal. But I still meant intended to get in there and uh, toward the end of December. We had some other plans that uh, we got distracted. But So I'm one of those people that didn't take my own advice. I have not signed up yet. So speaking of that, I think I read that uh, they're still looking to see if they're going to extend the deadline to sign up that's now currently January 15th. Hopefully, if the FSA or government doesn't uh, get reopened or open back up, uh, and we don't get that opportunity to sign up, hopefully they'll extend that. And then it also affects the people that are waiting for their second payment here in this tax year. So I don't think those will be processed either. So those are two things that we got to keep our eye on. One is get signed up if we haven't. Two, hopefully, uh, if you haven't got your production your second payment or you haven't requested it yet make sure you get in there and get that done as
2: well yeah tom the along with the mfp the the shutdowns had a big effect on the dairy revenue protection policy um currently during the shutdown you can still sign an application and you can get involved in the program which is always a is an important first step but currently, you cannot um, endorse any milk. You cannot sign up any milk to be insured. And as long as the shutdown's going on, you won't be able to. Um, I think it would be important, though, to, to keep an eye on what's going on in the market so when it does open back up, you can take advantage of the opportunities. It still looks like good opportunities for quarter three and quarter four and in, in getting involved in the dairy uh, revenue protection. So make sure you're in touch with your insurance agent make sure they know you're interested in doing something so that when it does open back up we can take uh, take advantage of the opportunity lucas for somebody who doesn't follow dairy where's quarter
1: two three at for milk prices right now uh,
2: so quarter three we're still looking at around 16 and a half bucks okay. which we, we know isn't great um it's not a great number but it's it's better than what we've had as an alternative so if you can lock in there you may not be locking in your break even but i mean it's definitely a good starting point so and we have seen some history and some stats that, you know, locking quarter three, quarter four out might, while might be a little more costly, a little bit more expensive, it definitely has provided, history shows the best opportunity. So definitely be looking at that. Talk with your insurance um, person about that and, and uh, you know, jump. be ready to jump on so things when it
1: when it gets back open. So just to clarify... If I haven't signed, I can still sign up the application, get that part done. I just can't actually sign the endorsement. So get the application done, be ready for the endorsement opportunity once the government. Yeah, absolutely. Get the
2: application done so there's a lot less paperwork and talk to your insurance officer about what price you're looking for. And then, so when it does open back up, and even when it does open it back up, it might be a day or two to get things rolling again, but be ready for when it is. Is going.
1: You know, and you bring up a good question that, just talk about crop insurance general and we all, I believe we know the answer but I know Thad would probably have the best answer so if producers were asking was crop insurance going to be out there for 2019 if the government doesn't start back up what would your response be, Thad?
0: I was worried about where you were going with this <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but, the, but the question you ask is, and, and the important answer is, government is is funded um, we're not reliant on the the shutdown we're not limited to that point so the good thing is it's business as usual um, from this standpoint although with a government shutdown an interesting piece is how the money flows back and forth from the government to the approved insurance providers those AIPs that could have some effect on AIPs on if they're willing and can can pay claim payments with a government shutdown now I know Jason with your background particularly in claims over the last 19-plus years. What's been your experience when we've had previous government shutdowns?
3: Yeah, so it's a great point to cover here. Uh, Everyone at this point or a lot of folks know and understand that this uh, program is heavily subsidized by the government. Uh, What does that mean to you guys as policyholders? It means cheaper premium, right? Your premium is subsidized. But what often is not thought about is there is also some benefit from the insurance provider's standpoint and the government and that relationship. And so every dollar that they pay out on the claim side, uh, there's a portion of that that is reimbursed at the end of the year uh, from the government. So it it does money does move back and forth from both sides of the fence when we're talking about um, claim payments. So as you can imagine, uh, during a government shutdown, uh, AIPs have the decision to make and have the the challenge of do we continue business as normal um, right now during the shutdown because we're not essentially promised or the company's not essentially promised that money in return. Uh, there's several AIPs out there. This is not the first time that this has happened as far as a government shutdown. There's several that uh, continue to make the decision that they will operate business as as usual uh, as normal, and so what does that mean they're they're diving into capital. Um, to be able to make those claim payments and uh, assuming that uh, things will work out once the governments open back up. But that's not all AIPs by any means. They, each one has to make that business decision. Um, so they're again, riding with a reputable company and having those relationships as Compere does, uh, that's something that we take very important and very high uh, high level look at um, excuse me, a very targeted look at to, to make the decision on who we partner with so that when these times come, uh, we're prepared to still get funds and indemnities in your pocket.
0: Yeah, and, and that's important. I'll share with the group here and those listening that the companies, the AIPs that Compeer works with are all committed to paying claims during this government shutdown. So that is an important piece that those who have had claims will get their money once the claim has been settled. So that's good. Great. Good conversation, guys. Uh, let's go to our next topic. All right, so our next topic is centered around prepping for a meeting with your crop insurance agents. So I want to spend some time with this group here and let's just talk about the different areas that our listeners should be prepared to um, prepare for those meetings and what that looks like. So first and foremost, uh, for the group and for the listeners, Keep in mind, crop insurance is a continuous policy. You do not have to make any changes to your policy. If you're comfortable with what you currently have in place, if that's what's working for you, then that's great. If you are looking for that opportunity uh, to meet, Tom, I'll start with you. What's First and foremost, what's our deadline to make changes to the current multi peril policy we have in place?
1: March 15th is the deadline to make changes And uh, we should all know that deadline by now. But one of the first things when I call a client that I'm looking for is I'm looking for their planting intentions, Thad. Uh, You know, a lot of areas, it's uh, maybe simply rotating their crops from each year. In my case, it's corn to soybeans, soybeans to corn. But I do have uh, a fair amount of producers that have a quarter or two that might do corn on corn in our area. So I like to call them ahead of time find out their planting planting intentions. So when I do a quote, and it's not necessary, but it's my style. I like to have all their acres for their intended crops to be in this quoting system. Then there's two things I can accomplish, accomplish with that. One, I've got an accurate quote. And two, I can probably simplify their life for the acreage reporting system down the road with uh, intended or preliminary acreage reporting, which why not make their life easier if I can help them out?
0: All right, so let's clarify because you may confuse folks, and you do that often. So we'll I watch. do. I'm good at it. <laughs> um, Lucas, Jason, uh, Tom Minson att- attended acreage Reports. Why don't you give the listeners here kind of a high level when he's saying make their lives easier or simpler? What does that entail? Yeah, so and
2: one thing that you can, I, I, th- I think, help yourself out and help, your insurance officer out if you've written down um your acres your planting intentions for the year bring that with you because that can spur a lot of um different decision making different thought process by the agent um but that also you can get a jump start on the year so if you bring those acres in the insurance agent makes a copy of it or you talk about it it it, you know sets the stage for the year and then you know we're not talking about what's being planned to where um what your unit structure is or what, what acres are on risky ground, it's all covered right up front. And so if you bring those acres with, if you've written them down on whatever it is, a scratch piece of paper on your FSA maps, for whatever it is, if you can bring that along, you can really um, set the stage for the year and, and help yourself out and help your insurance officer out.
0: So Jason, as we look at that and we have intended acres, um, what, what are we saving by doing intended acres? I mean, Lucas just talked about knowing and bring them in. Are there anything we should be aware of or concerned with That how that's going to help us down the road?
3: Yeah, so there's several advantages, as Lucas has pointed out, to getting those acres kind of identified and into your insurance officer early. Um, From a claims perspective, uh, it it makes a world of difference. Basically, on the the two types of of indemnities that we're looking at or or reimbursements, um, claim payments that we're looking at in the early part of the year are replant and also prevent plant. So replant being a situation where the initial crop was planted, um, it has failed for whatever reason, excess moisture, poor germination, whatever the case might be. And then you're going to replace that initial crop with the same crop, going back to the same crop, corn being replanted back to corn. Uh, if that's the case, uh, those indemnities, those those claims can't be paid until the acres have been booked officially uh, through the system. So the sooner that you can bring those acres to the table, even now as you're meeting with your insurance officers talking through the year, a lot of that legwork can be done ahead of time and as you potentially could be in a replant situation, uh, it just means money in your pocket sooner. Same principles with prevent plant. Um, it just speeds that process up uh, quite a bit quite a bit as we talk about um, just the the timing to to be able to get you paid. It also gives you some flexibility. Um, we have heard some rumblings uh, through AIP systems this intended acreage report and early reporting of acres is becoming uh, more and more prevalent so AIPs insurance companies are looking at different ways to Um, to benefit you from that process. And one of the ways we've been hearing about uh, is an early replant payment. In other words, if you uh, have reported your acres early to your insurance officer and he's done, he or she has done necessary, uh, taken necessary steps to get that keyed into the system, then there's really no reason to wait for the actual schedule of insurance to be booked uh, later on in the summer. Uh, so uh, some AIPs are looking at the possibility of just going ahead and making replant payments off of that, um, off of that early uh, intended acreage report. Um, And you may be thinking, well, what happens if my acres change or get revised in that world? Uh, As we all know, premium isn't due until the fall of the year. Um, So that would be an opportunity for that AIP to make any corrections necessary um, if there were any big changes to your acreage plans from now until when you actually do it.
0: Good. All right. Well, thanks, Jason. Hey, Tom, you you mentioned uh, production and bringing that stuff in early. I do think it's worth telling our audience here, at least sharing them some of those upcoming dates, keep in mind, in parts of the compared Territory, we do have folks who are buying um, margin protection policies or they're buying area revenue protection policies. That production deadline is February 15th. Typically, we talk about production deadlines. We want it early so we can give accurate quotes, as you mentioned. We can. You know, it's, it's important to have that. Typical deadline is until April 29th. But keep in mind, if you're buying an area policy or marge protection, that deadline is February 15th. So we don't want folks to get caught out there with not reporting your production. And I know most agents have already contacted you if you are one of those folks, but it's always good to, to highlight that during this conversation. Good. Hey, Tom, you mentioned earlier cost production. Why, why does that matter? What Which we be concerned with? And give us your feedback.
1: You know, as a producer and a crop insurance agent or banker, all those titles, uh, actually, as, as a producer, you, you wear many hats. And uh, from a grain side, I mean, you're, you're the agronomist, you're the banker, you're the risk management, you're the tax CPA, you do everything. I haven't even thrown in the uh, people that have livestock because I can imagine how many hats they have to wear. But one of the first things as a producer you need to look at or should be looking at is your cost of production. It's a starting point. What, what is my expected cost this year? What are my opportunities for selling um, now or in the last six months? And maybe you have some, some bushels sold out there already for 2019 and maybe 2020. But knowing your cost of production is, is the first leg of uh, maybe addressing your risk management plan. And um, I've been working on mine for the last two, three weeks. I like to change the numbers or moving targets. They don't seem to work out very well.
0: Do you, so, you change them so they work better for you? Yeah, it wants. makes
1: me feel better. So I just keep on. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to get. I only have, like, I average maybe 52 or three of my beans right now. Maybe it's not my true average in the last four years. It's higher than that. But sometimes I like to put in 70 bushels because that makes all the numbers look better. Yeah. But obviously, in reality, it doesn't always work that way. So one of the things I'm looking at is my cost of production. As um, I also meet with producers, they should maybe have in their mind a budget, right? So they're budgeting for fuel, for they know what their rent is more likely going to be. Uh, they're going to know all their farm supplies, repairs. Sometimes those are unexpected costs that pop up, of course. But they should know, you know, the chemicals, nitrogen, freight, all that good stuff as I, as I go through my uh, spreadsheet here. And so that's where we are going to come up with our... Their costs of production and of course that's budgeting and uh, I budgeted yeah, I'll just tell you I budgeted about $33 an acre last year. my I was all corn last year and uh, you know years ago if you would have backed up 20 years ago and said $30 an acre I would have like I would have been kicked out of every door today that's not, that's not high, that's not low depending upon your geographical area in my case I took a lot of hail and wind because that was important to me
2: so Tom, you're talking 30 bucks an acre for their crop insurance budget.: Yes. OK. yep. That was mine. That
1: was mine. And I have a lot of clients in that area. It depends upon what do you want to protect and what's important to you. I'm all corn. My brother and I have gone to stall one crop. Next year we'll be all beans here for 2019. So our protection plan might change a little bit. We may only spend 25 dollars an acre. But you should have a budget. you hopefully have thought about what's important to you. What do you want to protect and then take a look, work with your hopefully computer crop insurance agent professional, figure out what your cost per acre is, and then what I'm gonna ask you to do, as Lucas Lucas and uh, our group was talking about that last week, is break it down on a per bushel basis. We always, and I'm guilty of this, I like to look at everything on a per acre basis, but break it down to a per bushel basis, because you might be amazed. You might be $0.09 a bushel for the protection. You might be 18 to $0.22 a bushel cost for that protection. And quite honestly, I mean, we watched some of that uh, price movement move in a couple, two, three days on the, on the Board of Trade. So don't get sticker shock on the cost per acre. Look at it as a per bushel
2: to begin with to give you a little bit different perspective tell me you, you, you talked a lot about this cost production but can you talk about why it is so important on the insurance side or how that conversation then goes to your insurance agent yeah if I'm a producer and everybody's
1: in a different financial situation do I own all my land or a good chunk of it do I have how much money do I have borrowed um, what is my uh, working capital have I been burning through that in the last three four years I know I have Um and it, even if I do have off-farm income, I still like – I put in my <clears throat> same numbers as other producers would be for household living. And that's the hard one to, uh, to account for. That's all gone up for everybody. So to answer your question on some of that. Uh...
0: So I, th- I think, Lucas, <laughs> Tom, pause. He, he's babbled on here. He forgot the question. Can you, <laughs> can you repeat your question for him?
2: So what I was trying to get at, uh, Tom, is with the cost of production is how, you know, why is, why is that so important for the insurance agent to know that? Like, what What are the thought processes there? Why do we want to know that so bad? <laughs> Wait, did you understand the question? I don't.
1: You know, uh, that's the best part about being the oldest of this group. The expectations are just a little bit lower. Uh, <laughs> Knowing your cost of production, it gives you a good starting point, what I'm looking for. And typically, the most common thought is I'm going to maximize the subsidized coverage, right, that's offered through the, the government. And so you're going to look at your federal crop and say, am I going to be at the 75 80 85% level? Am I going to be enterprise? Am I going to be optional? And, and with today's cost, depending upon where you're at, uh, in some areas I realize the cost is higher. In my area is a lot of 80 85% enterprise on corn beans you'll see a lot of 80 85 percent optional unless all your beans are very similar or close to the same area unlike illinois and wisconsin we get hail so optional is more important to us than than enterprise we can't quite take that uh, chance so yeah i need to maximize what i can on the subsidized but it doesn't get me to cover my total cost and we've probably talked about this before, but before those high um, commodity prices that came about here several years ago, we never really could cover our total cost ever, but our costs were substantially lower. I mean, it used to be 200 250 $300 of cost production. Now we're, what, on corn, for example, we're 700 $750, $8, 850 So our cost, of, our risk has changed. We have so much more risk. And, and I know I've heard the question in the last couple of days like, well, I'm in an area that I, I never get hail, I have big crops all the time, I never have really too much for losses, maybe revenue losses. You know, you know what? We thought that this year too in that southern Minnesota ban, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't give up planting corn until about June 3rd. Um, and I'm used to wet, being wet all the time, and I got some ground that uh, doesn't dry out as fast, holds water. But I think we averaged over 50 to 58 inches of rain. We averaged typically about 25, Um, and it was a struggle all season long. People were thinking some of their corns were good. We typically averaged probably 190 to 220 in the last several years, and I think we have, my area might be Jackson County's in the worst of it, but a lot of uh, 120, 130, 140, 150-bushel type corn over thousands of acres, which is, so about the time you think you're, you
0: don't need something. you you need it. You need it. Yeah. Tom, I guess thank you for that information. We'll we'll determine later if, if everybody can follow that. <laughs> you did mention so something I thought very interesting that's important for our listeners, and that's that's hail insurance. And I know in parts of the Compere territory, it's not a matter of will it hail, it's you know, when and how much we're gonna get and how many times through the year we're gonna get hail. Uh, that's an important piece that we want to make sure we remind everybody is hail is one of those what we call name peril products that is very important to look at in conjunction with your multi-peril policy. The, the cost of that for that peril, which could just wipe you out in a matter of minutes, is something we don't want to take for granted. Um, we, we've heard and we've talked with folks that say, well, I haven't had hail for a while. It's kind of like rain, right? We never know when rain's going to start, where it's going to stop. Hail's the same way and it's important to when we're evaluating or when we're sitting down and talking with the agent the the, the what hail can do for us in some cases is a is part of a bigger bundle right and so parts of compare and uh, we'll talk about this again in, in a later podcast but it's considering hail it's considering those other pails like wind insurance uh green snap extra harvest uh replants for a part of the Compere territory is very important all of those are complementary to the multi peril policy. And so it's important that we sit down and we talk about those and really understand if it's something that's a concern for you and how they, these products might be able to complement what you're doing for your risk management program. But guys, I'd like to kind of switch gears and jump into an area that has been a, a hot topic really over the last several years. And, and every year there seems like there's something new and different in our world, we call them private products. Um, our listeners may call them, you know, add-ons. Whatever that is, it's certainly something that is very important, and it's something that I'd like to spend some time kind of talking through at this point in time. Hey, you want to- All right, well, Jason, yeah. as, as we kind of transition this private product discussion, I'll let you kind of hit this topic first and, and share, share what you're thinking of.
3: Yeah, Tom talks about the uh, cost of production and there being um, – a gap, for lack of a better term, uh, will we'll cover, and and what your actual cost of production is. Uh, as he said, we've we've never really been in a position to cover our all of our full cost uh, per acre, but we have products available now today that will get you closer to that break even. Uh, so it is again important. We can't stress enough to know what your um, break-evens are on your cost of production so that we can have this discussion. But uh, Compere currently writes with six AIPs, and honestly, each uh, AIP, each uh, insurance provider has a product that tries to accomplish and close that gap that we just explained. Um, they they range in, in how they work and what limitations and, and abilities each of them have. Uh, but on a very high-level standpoint, the, the biggest takeaway I want you to understand is we've got uh, access to a product that will work for you if you're willing to um, to kind of go down that path, and if you're looking for more coverage than what the underlying multi peril um, can offer. Again, to echo what Thad and um, Tom have already said, you know, maximizing that underlying multi peril policy in most cases, since it's subsidized. Uh, would be a good starting point to look at. But uh, above that, some of the policies are affecting the actual coverage level that's, that's being offered. So as we said, multi can get you up to 85%. Uh, on, if that's not enough, on top of that, we can get you all the way to 95%. Uh, some of the private products also affect the projected spring price uh, and allows you to add value there as well some are affecting uh your policy on an enterprise unit basis some are affecting on an optional unit basis uh the theory there is as the, as the um, as you are letting more risk go from yourself to the company um uh, you'll get some better features but that will come at a cost as well
2: jason i'm going to ask the common question that is the farmers love to ask and we'll get asked too you know is this are well, there all these private products out there? What Do a lot of people take them, or is it a popular thing, or what are we looking at?
3: Yeah, great question. We're actually getting that quite a bit um, more and more in more recent years. Uh, you know, as I think back over the history of multi um really the first quote-unquote private product that came became available was really like wind coverage under the hail policy. And now as we fast forward 10, 12 years, um, now we're into all of these banded products and, and then also price products affecting the the uh the february average the spring price there yeah it is a very individual uh case by case basis for sure whether it works for you or not we are definitely seeing an uptick in in participation just due to the simple fact that commodity prices are down
0: jason let me add in group let me add to this when we talk private procs, again when they become more popular we're seeing more of them pop up and i want to remind our listeners the, the part that Compeer plays in this in this area if I go back uh, 2011, 12, 13, 14 time frame Compeer actually developed two private products that are on the market today because we saw where there were some opportunities to fill voids in what our farmers, our client owners were asking of us and so we took that opportunity to develop a couple products and it's something that we continue to do today uh, looking ahead of identifying where where are we hearing from our customers um, opportunities or where they're lacking potential coverage. So it is something, as you mentioned, Jason, very individualized. Um, you know, the herd mentality, Lucas, is what I've heard leak recently of what others are doing. Um, at a broad stroke, you know, we're seeing a lot of the banded coverages, especially over the last couple years, um, get some play. But let's not discount the pricing products that have been around now for going on five or six years that are either a set price that Jason, as you mentioned on the projected price, or those products that we've been offering that allow our clients to take advantage of pricing opportunities before the February average or looking out past March 15th in the summer months. And as Tom mentioned about you know capturing you know, prices that work for your operation. Those procs will do that, and that is an important piece that we need to keep in mind as we're meeting with or you're meeting with your agent. And and as we kind of wrap up the private proc conversation, or at least this high level piece of the conversation, keep in mind uh, for those listening, you know, these aren't for everybody, these aren't intended for everybody. But what we've seen over the years is we've had needs, our partners have provided those opportunities to secure higher coverage secure a different price and in hindsight it's always 20 20. as we go into any growing season when you're sitting down with your crop insurance agent the goal should be looking ahead what are my opportunities and what products can i put together to maximize my risk management um, plan and give me the best opportunity to make money in the upcoming year so that that's the thing we need to keep in mind as we're looking forward because when we look backwards, it's always easy to say, well, I bought this, it didn't work, or I, I did this, it didn't work. That That's easy to do. But as we're sitting here today, we need to be looking forward of what will work going down the road, and, and that's the most important piece. And that's why it's really important that when you're sitting down with your crop insurance agent, you're working with someone that understands what you're going through, and it's important that you know your cost of production.
2: It's really easy to... Uh budget for a 15 20 25 dollar insurance payment it's really hard to budget for a ninety-five, hundred-dollar loss each year so when you're sitting down that's something you can think about
0: right then and there i don't know i follow that comment that was really profound Uh, thank you lucas for that Um, let's transition into upcoming deadlines and dates that our audience needs to be aware of just real
3: quick before we transition to that, I just have to say that that was profound, but it sounded stolen to me. That's okay. When I hear when I hear really profound things by other folks, I write them down and steal them, too. So no big deal. Thanks, you know, Lucas.
2: It, it's, uh, I can't take credit for that. Not my line came from uh, uh, an insurance officer within Capir. and it's, it's, it, it's very powerful then. It's still powerful. It's a good statement.
0: So nobody's taking credit for it at this table. We'll just leave it at that and we'll transition into our discussion here on upcoming dates and uh, what we should be prepared for. Okay, so as we look at the upcoming deadlines, first and foremost, it's good—it's always a good reminder, if you still have a crop insurance bill that's not been paid, keep in mind interest does attach at the first of every month, particularly if you haven't paid your multi peril bill. Keep in mind if that bill goes unpaid, through March 15th, meaning if the bill has to be paid on or before March 15th, if not, then you become ineligible for the 2019 um, crop year. So that's an important deadline to keep, keep in mind. Also keep in mind that February 1st, we'll start tracking the projected prices for multi-peril. So be watching social media for updates as those prices are tracked. And then the most important piece to maybe wrap up our conversation today is if you want to take a meeting with your agent or attend a farm meeting, get that done. But more importantly, remember any changes need to be done by March 15th. And with that, we look forward to talking to you next time on Crop Talk.